So we've been preaching through the book of Ruth. When we last left Ruth, the people of Bethlehem were rejoicing as they had just witnessed the redemption of Ruth by Boaz. And they blessed Ruth and Boaz, anticipating the blessing of offspring from the womb of Ruth. They surely did not know of the wonder of which they sang. And maybe the same for us. We come to Christmas and we want to feel the wonder. We want to rejoice, and we do, but we sometimes wonder if we wonder as much as we should. Well, this morning, as we hear the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew, as we sing, though we may not fully know the wonder of which we sing, we will sing this morning. This is a lessons and carol service. So, we will have five lessons, and those will be taking us through a prophecy from the Old Testament, and then a portion of the Christmas story from the Gospel of Matthew. And then after each lesson, we will sing one or two Christmas carols. During the lessons, please be seated. As soon as you hear Love You Over There on the Piano begin to play, go ahead and stand up and we will sing together. Don't worry about turning in your Bibles, even though you do have the references there on your bulletin sheet. Don't worry about turning there this morning. Just listen. You can always go back and refer to them and read over them this week if you would like. Let me pray and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, the incarnate one, that God, you would take on flesh so that our flesh could take on the spirit, that you would see fit to make us fit for heaven by your grace through faith in your son. We thank you this morning that Though Christmas is huge, the center point is you, Lord Jesus. And we ask that you would draw our hearts to worship you. Help us to listen well. We pray that your spirit would speak to us through your word. And speak to us through our songs. That you would be worshipped and glorified, magnified. The one who is no longer the baby in the manger, but is at the right hand of power. We pray to you this morning, Lord Jesus. Amen. Ruth, chapter 4, starting in verse 13. This is the end of this sweet story. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So here we finally see the consummation of the marriage of Jew and Gentile. Boaz and Ruth, like Boaz's parents, Salmon and Rahab. Now together in covenant with one another and part of the covenant people of Yahweh. And a son is born. We would think that this might say, a son is born to Ruth and this son is Ruth's redeemer. Instead, this son is Naomi's redeemer. For he is the heir of her husband Elimelech's land and name. 
As we've been going through this series, we've heard how important both the land and the name are. The land being the inheritance that God has given to his people, and the name of Elimelech meaning God is my king. These women, as they are singing over Naomi, blessing her, say that Obed will be to her a restorer of life and a nourisher of her old age. And they say, your, daughter and, your daughter-in-law Ruth loves you, which of course we've seen throughout the series as Ruth loyally loves, shows hesed covenant kindness to her mother-in-law Naomi. A son has been born to Naomi by means of Ruth. And what does Obed mean? Obed means the one who serves. The one who serves. So the couple, Ruth and Boaz, who exemplify, exemplify covenant kindness and love, who served one another and served Naomi throughout this story, now they have a servant son. And this servant son will have a grandson who will be King David, the servant king. What we are seeing here is a royal line established by Yahweh, the king of covenant kindness. And now Yahweh is going to express that covenant kindness through this royal line to a people who had, throughout this period of the judges, done whatever was right in their own eyes. They needed a king. And so God was going to bless them through the line of David, and he was also going to bless the line of David. Going on to verse 18, this genealogy of David, genealogy comes from the same word as Genesis. So this is the genesis of David's royal line. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. This king was coming, and he was coming soon. But as we will see in 1 Samuel, as we begin to preach through that in January, even David could not fix Israel. Even David could not turn their hearts ultimately and fully towards their God. A greater king was needed. Listen to Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of who? Jesse. And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This was written 700 years before Christmas Day. And yet here was Isaiah, spot on prophesying who Jesus would be, coming from the stump of David. We see here the Spirit comes upon Jesus, upon this Messiah that Israel was waiting for. Messiah means the anointed one, and another way that you could give him that title is the Christ. My family and I were reading something last night from our Advent reading, and the reading said, Christ was not Jesus' last name. Christ was a title, the Messiah, the anointed one who would come for his people. Well, these names at the end of Ruth, they lead us directly to one connecting point in the New Testament. Directly. 
to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. As you'll see this morning as we read, our Old Testament readings will be from the pulpit here. And our New Testament reading will be from our hundred-year-old chair as we read the, Matthew, the Nativity story from the Gospel of Matthew. As I read this genealogy, Matthew chapter 1, I'd like you to look for a few things. I'd like you to look for a few things. Number one is this. Listen for the names. Listen for the names that we've heard in the book of Ruth. Listen to the name of Christ, the title of Christ. Listen for Abraham's name, for the Christ will be the heir to the promises of Abraham, that through him, all of the earth would be blessed. And finally, listen for David. Because Jesus will be the heir to the eternal royal covenant that God made to David himself and to his son. So this is the genesis of the kingdom of our Christ. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of, uh, father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud. And Abiu the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. <laughs> Just in case anyone was wondering whether or not Jesus was the Christ, his genealogy shows it all the way back to Abraham. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations generations. I'm going to sit down here in a moment, but as you listen to the rest of the Matthew story, let our readers guide us through four more prophetic promises and the rest of the narrative here. The Christmas story of the King of Covenant Kindness. But as you listen, I want you to listen for a few things. Listen for royal language. This is an account of a king. Christ, of course, with Joseph, the son of David, who comes to save his people, the people of the king, from their sins. But there's a king who conflicts 
with Christ the King. Listen for that part of this story too. How will that king, the representative of the kingdom of the world, respond to the birth of Christ? You will hear a sad story of murder and weeping. We know some of the wonder of which we sing. But let's stand and let's sing together and believe all the more. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. I'll be reading from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, 
resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Son of man. 
Our first reading for lesson three is Micah 5, verse 2, the first half of verse 5. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Oh, really quick, church, I did want to say a prayer after this reading, if you guys want to bow your heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this weary world has longed for righteousness and justice, but I say, well, let's rejoice, sinful world, for salvation has been born to us in a form so humble, tender and, child, tender and mild. Fall on your knees, for the Son of God is here. He is the great I Am. He is the Prince of Peace, and his name is Emmanuel, which does mean God with us. Righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. So let your name endure through every generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
today is um, on the peace candle and we will be reading out of Hosea chapter 11 verses 1 8 and 9 when Israel was a child I loved him the more and out of Egypt I called him my son how can I give you up O Ephraim how can I hand you over O Israel how can I make you like Adam how can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man. The Holy One is in your midst, and I will not come to wrath. I'm reading from Matthew 2, 7 through 15. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me so I may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them and it came over to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw this star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, <clears throat> they departed on their own country, to their own country another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. Tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. <clears throat> and he rose, and he took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This is to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son.
And our final lesson, lesson number five, is the Christ candle. I will begin the reading with Matthew 2, 16 through 23. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. The final scripture is from Jeremiah 31, verses 15 through 34. A little bit longer passage here, so if you want to look this one up, it might help you out, or just listen real close. Jeremiah 31, verses 15 through 34. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your ears and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined like an untrained calf. Bring me back that I may be restored. For you are the Lord my God. For after I had turned away, I relented. And after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed, and I was confounded. Because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Set up road markers for yourself. Make yourself guideposts. Consider well the highway, the road by which you went. Return, O virgin Israel, return to these your cities. How long will you waver, O faithless daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing on the earth. A woman encircles a man. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, once more they shall use these words in the land of Judah and in its cities when I restore their fortunes. The Lord bless you, O habitation of righteousness. O holy hill. And Judah and all its cities shall dwell there together, and the farmers and those who wander with their flocks. For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. At this I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and the seed of beast, and it shall come to pass that I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring harm. So I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days they shall no longer say, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own sin, each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, 
when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the old, not like the covenant that I, made, that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. God, the 
Christmas this morning or last night? Thumbs up, sideways, so, mas o menos back there. All right. So, did you hear about what happened to the kids in Bethlehem? That's not meant to like, that's not meant to guilt trip the kids. But did you really hear what happened to the kids in Bethlehem? that kids two and under were killed. And parents, I know that Christmas can bring a lot of stress and bring a lot of, ah, oh, we got to get these gifts and get the kids to church, hold them still in the service, which kids and parents, you've been doing a great job. No worries at all. We're family. Um, but this reality that a child was born and many children died that Mary and Joseph had to flee for their lives and for the life of their son to Egypt. We always remember that death comes at the end of Jesus' life before resurrection, life, and ascension. But do we dwell in the reality that death, in a sense, welcomed him to the earth? Kids, you might wonder, all of us might wonder, what's the deal with that? Like, why was that part of the story Part of it, I think, is as we've been reading in Ruth and seeing through these genealogies, we see that God is faithful to keep his covenant generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. His plan will succeed. His promises will be kept. Those women at, at Bethlehem blessed Ruth beyond what they understood. Because Christ would come, and Christ will come again. In Revelation 12, I think we get some insight into what was happening with, her, with Herod's murderous rage. 
Because it says this, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant, and she was crying out in birth pains, in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child. One who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. You need to know, we need to remember that from the very beginning of Jesus' life, the dragon Satan was trying to take him out. You can read other times throughout the Gospels where Jesus is assaulted or they attempt to kill him, but it was not yet his hour to go to the cross. Kids, do you have a dragon in your nativity set at home? We probably should. To remind us that this, is, this world here is a kingdom in conflict. The true king has arrived, but the king of this world Is real too. But listen to this. In the chapter just before. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I want to finish by reading one more thing. Because at Advent, we are, as I mentioned last week, looking up. As the shepherds and the wise men looked up, we are looking up, waiting for Christ to return. And that can prompt a lot of questions. I just wanted to read a a brief section here from the end of John Piper's book, Providence, specifically about this. And then we'll sing Joy to the World. At the second coming, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Paul describes those resurrected bodies. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. But Piper writes, What is a spiritual body? We must be careful not to think of something ethereal or ghost-like. Paul said Christ would make our resurrection body like his own. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Philippians 3. But the risen Christ was not a ghost. He appeared to his disciples and said, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Luke 24. Then he ate a piece of fish. To put it beyond doubt, a spiritual body is not a spirit. Rather, a spiritual body is a body recreated in a form beyond our comprehension and experience. It is spiritual, at least in the sense that it is now not partially but wholly fitted for the indwelling of the Spirit of God. It now has Spirit-given capacities that it never had. How else could we look upon one another without being blinded, then each of us being shining like the sun? Matthew 13. To show that the universe exists for man, not man for the universe, something absolutely astonishing then happens. God remakes the universe precisely to accommodate the new humanity with their spiritual bodies. The prophet Isaiah foresaw this day and spoke the word of God. Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. 
The Apostle John saw it as well. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the Apostle Paul described the emergence of the new heavens and the new earth through a cataclysmic purification. The heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. But what is astonishing beyond the unimaginable magnitude of this providence is the fact that the entire renovation is carried out so that the universe is adapted to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Here is the breathtaking words from Paul. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, this picture is not of man standing on tiptoe looking for a new creation. It's the reverse. The creation is standing on tiptoe looking for the day when the children of God will be glorified. When God subjected the creation to its fallen condition, of futility and corruption, he had a future day of liberation in his mind. That liberation was planned as a response to the glorification of God's people. It was conceived as a participation in the freedom and glory of God's redeemed children. The creation itself will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Romans 8. Last section. The children will receive a new, free, glorious spiritual body. And the whole creation will be transformed into a perfect habitation designed for this new humanity. This means that the original purpose of creation, to declare the glory of God, will be elevated in proportion as the saints have elevated capacities to see and savor and show the glory of God. Sin will be completely eliminated. Nothing unclean or immoral or spiritually half-hearted will be there. All of our thoughts will be true. All of our desires will be free of any self-exaltation. All of our feelings will be calm or intense in perfect proportion to the nature of the reality that we feel. All deeds will be done in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. Every particle and every movement and connection in the natural, in the, sorry, in the material world will communicate something of the wisdom and power and love of God. And the capacity of the glorified minds and hearts and bodies of the saints will know and feel and act with no frustration, no confusion, no repression, no misgiving, no doubt, no regret, and no guilt. All our knowing, whatever we know, will include the knowledge of God. All our feeling, whatever we feel, will include the taste of the worth and beauty of God. All our acting, whatever we do, will comply in sweet satisfaction with the will of God. We will sing forever the song of the Lamb who was slain. Which means we will never forget that every sight, every sound, every fragrance, every touch... And every taste in the new world was purchased by Christ for his undeserving people. This world, with all its joy, cost him his life. Every pleasure of every kind will intensify our thankfulness and love for Jesus. The new heavens and the new earth will never diminish but only increase our boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will never forget that the recreated theater of wonders, this incomprehensible interweaving of spiritual and material beauty has come into being through Christ and for Christ. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will behold the finished work of his providence and rejoice over it with singing. Zephaniah 3. The Father will rejoice over the excellence of the Son in his triumphant achievements. The Son, the Bridegroom, will rejoice over his immaculate bride, the glorified church. And the joy of the Holy Spirit 
will fill the saints as the very joy of God. And so, Lord, we long for that day and for those eternal days to follow. Oh, Jesus, we long to see you face to face and to see the promise realized that when we see you face to face, we will be like you. In the meantime, as we hope for that day, would you purify us even as you are pure? Help our celebration today to be joyful, to be abundant, to be full of laughter and joy and, and just you. Because you are in us. Are you Oh God, glorify your name and your people. Our King, our Messiah, our Lord. Thank you for spending part of your Christmas day with us together this morning. Trust the rest of your day will be full of blessing. And um, I guess we'll see you ne next Sunday for New Year's Day. All right. Next year. <laughs> next year. Next year, 2023. Very good. Let's read our benediction together. Our souls magnify the Lord and our spirits rejoice in God our Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servants. He who is mighty has done great things for us, and holy is his name. Go in peace and Merry Christmas. <laughs>